All right. Welcome to the Peyton years, the first episode of the 2021 season. Wow. What a journey. As always, you're here with your host, Andy and Sam over here. I hope you guys are doing well. How are you doing, Andy? I'm not doing too bad. I'm enjoying the last little bit of this October sunshine. You know, the traditional 80 day, 80 degree October days that Oregon always gets. You're feeling that turn in the air that reminds you that college basketball season is near, even in these uncertain times. And the last time we talked, um, it'll forever be a lost episode, unfortunately. It will be. And we'll just disregard it now for complete, completely. We'll put it off. Um, Sam, just so people who are logging in, maybe be new listeners, what is the Peyton Years? The Peyton Years is the only podcast in existence that is solely dedicated to Oregon State University men's basketball. Did you hear that? The only podcast in existence. Do you want a different venue? Too bad. You don't get one. It's strictly us. Maybe three-man weave sometimes. Maybe the Pac-12 Hoops podcast. But you know they're not going to talk Oregon State. They're brushing us off as quick as they can so they can get on to Oregon, get on to Washington. Oh, this is the nitty-gritty you want details on Jared Lucas's family life? We got him. We got him. You want flashback references to 90s players? Whatever happened to the Tarver brothers? The Tarver brothers? You want to find Adam Mastin's YouTube channel to watch some old games? We can do that for you, too. We are true blue Oregon State fans, and we are going to ride this season out no matter how terrible it gets, because that's what people are predicting. Yeah, yeah, which uh, we'll we'll get into ourselves in just a little bit here. But first, as always, the Oregon State fight song. We'll get to the chance next week. Maybe we'll play it out in installments. No, I'm just kidding. But seriously, uh, take your hand off your heart. I put your hand back on, on right now. Yeah, the chance would, would tip off to the season still about a month away. It's true. We got to save. We got to save that. Save that and savor it. Well, Sam, since this is uh, the tip off for the 2020-21 season, I just thought we would uh, review a couple of things. So right now, just in case you don't know, the Pac-12, which originally said they were not going to play games till what, January 1st, January? Yeah, I think that was initially the point they made was they were going to wait till the start of the new year. Like they did with football, they said, screw it, it is actually safe, and we are starting November 25th. Yeah, enough conferences did it that I think that they just sort of felt left out. You don't want to be you don't want to be the Power Five school that's aligning itself with the Ivy League in terms of sports. It's going to be a negative decision because I think the Ivy League's still not playing football. No, but as we know, they're a bunch of nerds. Nerds. Is it sketch that the schools traditionally known for being quote unquote smart are telling us that it's not safe to play and not worth it? Yeah, but they don't have as much on the line. That's they don't true. support a program like Oregon State <laughs> they don't, men's basketball. That's true. They don't understand what there is to lose. You know, it's kind of like uh, who's the bad guy from uh, the Marvel movies who clicks his Thanos? It's, Thanos, yes. He, he thinks he's doing the right thing, but he has no idea what he's sacrificing. You know, and that's what Ivy League schools, I think, are going through. 
Right. There's no way we can expect fans of Princeton or Brown to appreciate what it means to ride the roller coaster of an Oregon State men's basketball season. Definitely not. Definitely not. Um, so new schedule hasn't been posted yet. We'll update you with that. Right now they've posted the official roster on the website. You're starting to get some uh, preseason Pac-12 power rankings. That did just send a, a shiver through my spine when I saw the, you know, the guys that have left are no longer on there. Uh, but that, that had me ready for basketball. Can I ask you this? How did you – because you texted me. You said – the roster's been updated on the website. Time for a podcast. Yeah. Are you periodically checking the website? Do you have some sort of email notification? What's the deal? I don't remember what it was <laughs> that led me to realize that. The last time I had looked at it, it was still um, – it included the Dastrup and Miller Moore and Antoine Vernon and, 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 and Tinkle and Kelly. and. When do you think was the last time you looked at the website? It, it couldn't have been that long before. I would say a week or two. You're not going to just po- poke in, pop your head in, check well, out what's going on. I'll admit team. that it was, it was recent enough that I thought reasonably they may have had the updated roster on it, which they did not. They, <laughs> but they did do that. Shout out to whatever intern got around to doing that for them. I would say it's a new media major, but that's no longer a uh, degree there. Uh, it's not yeah. an option. So shout out to all my fellow new media majors who have degrees that don't exist anymore. It only makes ours more valuable. It um, it likely, because absent of it being someone like that, is probably just a manager on the <laughs> team or even L. Tinkle or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, maybe. We'd have a strong presence if it was L. Tinkle. Um, so last season, the Beavers finished 18-13, and 7-11 in the conference, which was good for eighth spot. Um, we had the – we did that with the all-time leading scorer on the team as well as the all-time leader in shot blocks on the team. Uh, finished the season probably – I don't know. I didn't fact check. It might be the only time the Beavers have ever finished the season on a win. Oh, it can't be because we won the CBI. Since we won the CBI, it was the first time the Beavers have ended the season on a win. With a victory. And it was a thrilling victory. I mean, we we recorded later that evening. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe our words were, the pandemic can't stop <laughs> this team. <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, we, yeah, we were in a good mood. We were making jokes about how the fact that there would be no fans won't be a problem for the Beavers. <laughs> it would be much more unfamiliar for the Ducks. Um, and then we know what happens. After that, that mm-hmm. was back in March. Yeah, different world. <laughs> but I mean, so like that this that season will never sit well with me because even though we can objectively say it's pro- one of the three or four best years they've had in our life for sure, for, uh, for sure since nineteen ninety easily. Mm-hmm. Um, it was an underachieving year for reasons that you mentioned, having mm-hmm. the nation's leading shot blocker and someone who scored. Secondly, I should say he was second, second, second in the nation shot block. Uh, first in the conference. First in the conference for two years in a row. And your school's all-time leading scorer, as well as some other reasonably talented people you should be. Ethan Thompson's a 1,000-point, 500-assist guy. Yeah, he's had a terrific college career, and he's by far the best player they have currently. Right, um, but he was on that team last year, too. I, just to add to your point of, like, they, I feel like they definitely underachieved. Even Reichel, who we, we aren't fans of particularly, is he, a double-digit scorer. I think he averaged about 11 points a game. And I will say, Reichel, 
has really come around on me since I went in person to the Civil War game at Oregon State last year. That was his best game. He'll always, we'll always have, we'll always have the Reichel game. We'll always have, he dunked the ball with two hands on a fast break, and I almost hugged the Duck fan sitting in front of me because that's got to break your heart. I was, I was watching that at a friend's house with a Duck fan who two seconds before that, when it was a three on two said, Oh, they'll fuck this up. Somehow. <laughs> and so that, that blew the, the whole room up. It was a, <laughs> one of the better moments in, in program. History. <laughs> uh, Which is, we're laughing because it's true. It, it's very true. And there's no way to say that with a straight face, but yeah, so they, they did underachieve eight going seven and 11, losing several close games as they're prone to do having bad luck with playing Washington State when they retired Clay Thompson's jersey. Yeah. You know, the and there was 10,000 people there. It was it was it it was frustrating, but I think we fully believed they were primed for a, a Pac-12 tournament run after beating oh, Utah. Like they that. they definitely were. They were poised to play the Ducks who for all the things that have gone wrong in the Tinkle tenure, um he he does well against He the does Warriors. well against the Ducks and we were uh, what was it? Three and two, I want to say, or f- three and two, or four and one against them in the last uh, two years. They had won three in a row. Uh, the most recent game, which doesn't matter for re- we, right, we don't need we to talk about it. Explain yeah. why, but they didn't play well in Eugene. Right, so the they last were, time they played, so they were three to one. The Beavs ended the season on a game winner, going in to play the Ducks in the quarterfinals. Really, yeah, we both believed in the momentum. Come from today. behind, win the second half against a Utah player, and a Utah was going off with their own player who never hits threes, who hit like seven for eight, eight for nine. He was I think insane. It was like- 11 of 14. Yeah, it was, like it was insane. So it was a lot of things working against us. The momentum was riding high, and then it was sucked out from underneath us. So it'll we'll, – we'll never know. It's it's obviously not the only basketball team that had their season yeah. ended before they wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that an NIT bid would have settled very nicely with me, quite frankly. It would have been, it would have been something. It would have been a feather in the cap at least. And uh, I think they would have made a run in that tournament. It's tough to see. The only the thing that's disappointing about it is that Trey Stinkle, for being like the all time leading scorer, the last pass he made, like he passed, he was the one who passed to Jared Lucas for the game winning mm-hmm. three in the corner, and he could have easily shot it himself. And it was how many seniors in the lat and potentially their last game all time leading scorer is going to make that pass and i felt like you know he was such a big part of Oregon state history it was tough to see him go out without being able to play in some sort of tournament at all during his career cuz he was hurt during the NCAA tournament too part of the reason they weren't better cuz yeah as a true freshman before he got hurt at all he was really good oh definitely he was a big reason and then also the fact that we were playing literally an NFL player for the center on uh, VCU that uh that was yeah, tough. that was a tough match. He was throwing Eubanks around. All right, so let's look into uh, what's coming up. So key losses, just for people to know, people who graduated. You lost Trace Tinkle, the all-time leading scorer. He's the only player in program history in the top ten in points, assists, rebounds, and steals. Yet somehow never won player of the year. Yet somehow conference. never won player of the year. And this this stat is from... Despite being the only player to average for a full season. Was it 28 and 4 or 28 and 5? You know, and he was, pretty elite. And he was first team all-conference three years in a row. So he thought maybe that'd accumulate in a player of the year, but they gave it to 
Payton. A victim of the beaver bias. A victim of sure. the beaver bias. Just like Jared Cunningham, just like Roberto Nelson. They don't respect the stats. No, he wasn't tremendously clutch in his four years. No, he and, wasn't. And maybe that's on him. Maybe it's just the circumstance of the team he played for. But, yeah, I mean, one of the hardest players to replace they've had to deal with in a long this is a, a stat from the Three Man Weave website, but according to them, Trace T- only 11 players accounted for more wins than Trace Tinkle since 2018, so for three seasons. Wow. So he was dragging whatever. That's what uh, is going to be a big loss because he was the the engine, I would say, to the team, at least on offense, certainly. Yeah, defensively they had to hide him a little bit, and they're going to be playing a lot of zone this I'm- year anyway. But I'm going to miss seeing him post up from the three-point line and slowly back down some somebody. Freshman, <laughs> yeah. The double team comes way too late. And and he was a good passer. He, he was mean, a good passer. A game he, was, or, he was a solid player. He, I think he would have been better. I don't know if he should be your all-time leading scorer. I think he, he's a great no. like second off-ball player, but he never really had that guy to play off-ball. But he did a great, great job with what he was asked. Um, we lost Kyler Kelly, the uh, all-time leader in blocks, second nation last year. We lost Dastrup. We lost... Which, that one stings a lot more than Kelly, quite frankly. <laughs> and and I know that's a little bit of a bias from us, but the Dastrup dunk watch never materialized. He never when, gave us one. When you lose a top 100 recruit, and granted, it's a top 100 <laughs> yes. recruit from about six or seven years ago. Post Mormon mission, but still a top hundred recruit nonetheless. It's tough to see him go. Uh, Dastrup, he was a huge, I thought, a big energy guy, although maybe a little bit too goofy on the sidelines. Wanted maybe taking the show away from the floor at certain points. Well, in the spe- yeah, but he earned all, his he earned his scholarship. I'll say that. He was a six nine guy, so when he stands up a bunch on the bench, you notice it more than your typical guard right. walk on type. Mm-hmm. And he was twenty five. <laughs> And not a young-looking 25 either. So it really did – I'll always miss that, though, he, his presence. Yeah, he's lived a life. Um, he'll be finishing off. What hurts about him is that unlike Peyton or uh, Trace and Kyler, he's he's leaving for his senior year to go finish it off in NAI school. So it might have been a clock issue too. Yeah, and I'm sure it'll be interesting to see what level of basketball professionally Kelly and Tinkle. Cause I think and Dastrup. Dash will probably be playing with Joe Burton. He'll be he'll be playing with us in the Portland basketball league. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so here we go. Uh, some new additions. So the kind of headlining the incoming class at Oregon State is we're locking and reloading like Marquette with Jimmy Butler. We're going all JUCO. We're taking the shortcut. We're yeah. Um, it o- only one uh. Hi- uh, high schooler in this recruiting class. Yeah, only one high schooler. It can be a a bad, a good sign or a bad sign when you start taking JUCO players. Just depends on who you ask. I'm taking it as a good sign. I like this. Um, we've got three JUCO players coming in who are ranked in the top thirty for JUCO prospects. That's a good JUCO haul. It. I um. I thought it was three in the top forty. Not to nitpick too much, but we may have a different ranking for. Yeah, for there's there's them. a it's it's like a rivals versus scout situation. Yes. You know, it's generally the same, but there's going to be a little some nuance differences. Um, the three JUCO players are Tyreek Silver, Maurice Calhou, and Rodrigo Andala or Rodrigue Andala. Um, 
we can go through them. I got a little stats if you want to hear them yeah, just a little yeah. bit about them. So Tariq, so Tariq Silver is a six five guard. He is my favorite. He's your favorite. Okay, he's not my favorite, but I like him. So he started off at Eastern Michigan where he redshirted and then played his freshman year, but wasn't really able to crack the rotation. Just kind of like an athletic uh, wing attacker. He did. There is a highlight clip of it's about three minutes. You know, it's typical for YouTube of him at Eastern Michigan mm-hmm. that suggested that he his numbers would have been better. That at least to me, he's he's a stud. What what gets me excited about Tariq is that he wasn't known for being a shooter at Eastern Michigan. He went to a junior college in Tallahassee, powerhouse. Yeah, he shot forty five percent. So he retooled it. So he's coming in with kind of like a sniper. Arsenal, supposedly. Um, second up, we got Kalu. Now, Kalu's interesting. He's a 4-5, uh, like 6'8", 6'9", 4-5 player. The website, and this is, yes, this is Oregon State's official one, has him listed at 6'10". 6'10", okay, I love it. I'm not going to mess around with no. these other ones then. He's 6'10 to me. He's got, he's our blue blood. He's our Oak, he's a former Oak Hill player. He went to Oklahoma State. For a year. For a year. He was kicked off the team for vandalism. Which that's almost that's a cry for help. That's where yeah. you don't like you don't like your environment, so you act out. I would that's going to go away. How do you not want to give this guy a second chance already? <laughs> he, I think that he's been given a number of second chances. I think he's a bit of an underachiever in some people's eyes. Yeah, I'm sure if you go to Oak Hill and you end up at Oregon State, that's going to be a label that falls yes, you know? with with two transfers in between that. Now, this is not the first Oak Hill Academy player that the Beavers have have been able to finagle. The other one was Daniel Gomez, and we remember how well he was there for that turned out. Six, seven years. I feel like he was on the team forever. Yeah. Um I, yeah, he did. He got a medical red. <laughs> really, really was not good at no. all. He was a big body and he tried hard and I always appreciated him. He was on campus when I was and he would walk around with a boombox. So you gotta love the okay. swag. Yeah, and then, well they had Che and Jai at the same time mm-hmm. briefly and it was fun having both of them. It was seven yeah. and it, two guys. Yeah, that was cool. Um, uh, Calhoun, he's a good shooter. He's kind of like a stretch four five. So look for that. That could be effective. It's going to be pretty much an all new, uh, front court is what we're looking at. Cause Trace was our power forward. Kyler was our center. They're both gone. So it's really wide open for who's going to be our four five. He, he, a lot of pick and pops. It seems like he probably frustrates coaches with his tendencies to shoot threes instead to shoot. of post up mm-hmm. or rebound. Here's my guy. This is the one I'm looking forward to is Rodrigue Andela. Um, he was my second. He's your second favorite. I watched. Now, I went down the, not to sound too sad, it's quarantine. So, we all have pandemic. You know, we all have our uh, vices. And I went down the Andela YouTube rabbit hole. And uh-huh. he's a stud. He's, he's a lot, all close to the basket. He's 6'8", 240. But in reality, he's 6'6", 260. Like, yeah. that's what he looks like. And he's like, a, reminds me of a Julius Randle, just throwing his body around. He's fast. He's super strong. Was dunking it a lot in the highlights I saw. He, he shot, uh, I think, 67% from the field for in 30 games or so, and a lot of minutes for the team he played for. And, and yeah, I, I also watched some of his more popular one thing i'll say for him too i love the trend of uh high school and junior college recruits in their homemade highlight tapes include putting a rap song to it that's talking about like having sex without condoms really (laughs) graphically and stuff that you know is is cool on some level but also doesn't seem like it's the best idea to have that recruit tape but um 
yeah, knows who he is. He he gets a ton of dunks and putbacks. He's he's gonna be solid. He's a bull. So looking ahead to next year, just some things to keep your eye on. At least these are what I was thinking. Um, so number one, it's the it's the end of the era. It's an end of the nepotism era. Ethan Thompson, the last coaching son, is gone after this. This is kind of our final yeah. goodbye to a real family affair. At one point, uh, I, yes, twenty uh, percent of the roster or so <laughs> was made up of coaches' sons, and um, they were the best players on the team. You so can argue I will, it. I will. I wish they had a couple more little brothers, definitely, on the AAU circuit right now. Definitely. The second thing I'm looking forward is, so going into the future, the future is murky for Oregon State right now. So this is a huge transitional year, like I was saying, into an era. I'm really curious to see what uh, the Jared Lucas, Gianni Hunt backcourt looks like. And if we get any minutes of just those two guys kind of running the show. Yeah, I mean, Hunt's ability to play point guard is is so big because – Obviously, Lucas isn't going to be able to do it a ton, nor do we want him. We don't. To. We, you want him running around off screens. Lucas yes. is my favorite, my definitive favorite player. I've decided last year he became my favorite player in his big games, and he's yeah, I can't get over he him. He's such a good shooter. That great of a season, but he, you, it's just you still feel so confident that he's going to become one of those three point marksmen that hits a and ton of them. His leash is going to be longer this year. Like a lot of his numbers too are coming from early in the season where he gets five minutes here, six minutes yeah. there. He wasn't a good defender. He's still not a good defender. I don't want to paint no. that picture, but he's, he tries really hard. And I think with another year of understanding positional defense, it's going to make a big deal for him. I lo- So I'm really curious to see, because that's in my mind, like I was telling you off air, the three man weave podcast, shout out to them. They're a great college basketball podcast. Check them out. Uh, but they said on their PAC 12 uh, preview that Oregon state is a fan group that they feel the most bad for in the next five years. And the contrarian in me came out and I said, I love Lucas. Jared Lucas rules. He's, he's um of the ilk of Jimmer. Of, of Reddit. JJ. He's going to make that many, but honestly, he's the all time leading scorer for Northern California. So he might. Yeah. He, uh, or Southern California, not Northern. So, which is even the better Yeah, which is I, even more I mean, impressive. Yeah, I, I would argue. Um, so, yeah, it only took, like, seeing him make a couple, like, two in a row once or twice to be, like, he's automatic. And nah. the, the Utah ones, as soon as Timmy Allen left him to guard, because he didn't think Tinkle would pass, you he's, knew he was going to make it. And the other thing I like about Lucas is that he went to Oregon State because – USC and UCLA did not offer him a scholarship because he's a little bit of an undersized, maybe a little underathletic, played at kind of a smaller school. But you got to love a player who's in it despite the other Pac-12 yeah. schools. Like I, that's that's great. Who low-key is dissing the team he plays for <laughs> by explaining why he chose them. <laughs> um, the other thing I'm curious about is what's the front court going to look like? Because right now there's a couple of different options. I'm curious to see what you think um, – so I like, I like the idea of just turning it over to Juco guys and going Kalu and Dala. Obviously, we well, two other names to mention. Um, do we know if Warith Alatiche is available? It's this at, year? hasn't been decided yet. Ten points, eight rebounds a game at Nickel State. Blocked a really similar player to uh, Endella. Yeah, he's about a, six seven, so a little undersized, but effective. He's super solid. He's just looking for still. He hasn't got his transfer uh, waiver yet to play, um, so it's still a little it's still up, up, in, it's the still up in the him. air. 
And then the other one, though, is the one high school recruit they added. It, Isaiah Johnson is 6'7". I watched some of his. He was a, a CIF player there. It sounds like every Oregon State basketball recruit ever. He was a conference <laughs> player of the year, but at a smaller school in California. They're not. That's not true. They lost a matter day in the playoffs. Okay. It's the same school that a – Hunt went to. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. That's and that's the same school that the Thompson brothers went to. That's just our school. That's just our Bishop line. <laughs> yeah, that's yes. just that's just the Oregon the, State pipeline. So they're like a middle of the pack CIF team, <laughs> and they're always three star recruits. And he's he'd be a four or five if he were four inches taller, but he has a post game, and he's like six six. And so we'll see if he's good enough to play or if he can step out a little more and, and be a wing guy for him. But I don't think so, which makes it a really kind of disappointing. I think the most the most likely scenario is you're going to see Alfred Holland retain his starting yeah. spot at the four or three or the four. And then, um, I don't know, it kind of depends. If they're going to, it depends. Disappointing it, de- that's the case. it depends. Are they going to start Gianni and Jared along with Stevie and go with three guards and then two post players? Or are we going to go with, normally we go with, two guards and three bigs, kind of bigger, more traditional front court. If we do that, then I imagine Alfred plays at the three. And then I'm curious what he would do with Silva if he's earned the respect and the trust to get more playing time next year. He had looked good in spurts, but he's also really slow. It was, it was yeah, 10, 11 minutes a game tops. If he can be the same guy and maybe it'd be 16, 17 minutes, that makes them a better team because he's, he's fucking huge. He's he's seven one. He's, he's our legit 7-1. That's not Oregon State inflating those numbers right there. Right, so even against Arizona and Washington, he, can, he comes in and is the biggest player on the floor. Mm-hmm. Which is an obvious advantage. Um, let's do some. Let's uh, wrap up here a little bit, and then do some uh, predictions on our way out. Um, most the general consensus is that Oregon State is going to finish eleventh in the Pac-12 ahead of Cal. Okay. That is respectful because Cal is kind of like our sister school because their shooting guard is fat. He's kind of like a Joe Burden if he was a shooting guard. They, it's kind of inexplicable how they've let it get so bad there you're in the bay like just get a bay kid for a while it's one thing yeah for stanford and cal to be last for a year and bounce back but they've been really terrible and of course beat us once out of twice (laughs) and and stanford looks good this year they're they're projected to be a top finisher but what do you think oregon state this is to me i would be happy if we could match the eight place we got this year i think that would be a, a strong showing for this group as it's a transition year but i could easily see us fighting it out in the basement well and i i do think that the way the schedule will play out there won't be as many non-conference games but i do think there's gonna be and who knows we're speculating but i think they're gonna get about six of those they'll play in two three game tournaments and little mm-hmm. pods and then the pac-12 schedule will be pretty much the same we're not going to have our cushion. We're not going to have our super easy tinkle cushion that he likes to start off with. With ten right. game undefeated for the first ten, 10 games, one with the loss being to one of the three power five teams that you've played, or not even to like Long Beach State, right. to, a, to a very solid senior laden <laughs> yeah. Long Beach. Yeah, and the 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 highlight. I think what is his non conference highlight win? Iowa State last year. Oh man, they <laughs> won like eight games or so. I think I went and saw him play Tulsa at the Moda Center, and Tulsa made the tournament that year. So I th- it has to be that one. Yeah, it has to be Tulsa probably. 
Craig Robinson would uh, historically play Kansas close for what we, in Oregon State fan uh, terminology, like to call a good loss. Yeah, Craig Robinson would have a solid loss and then outdo it with like three terrible ones. <laughs> yeah. like Utah Valley State at home or like Illinois, they lost, Chicago. They lost the six to Kansas and 17 to Chicago State. Coppin uh, State beat them one year. Yeah. Uh, we always end up reminiscing about the Craig Robinson it's, years. It's because they're it's 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 great to have a team that's doing terrible but still eating in the White House every year. Yeah, and like move on from that coach and be doing only marginally better, <laughs> but it feels better. It doesn't. I think yeah. So like I think they are going to play about eighteen Pac twelve games, and I see I'm guessing about five wins mm-hmm. somewhere in there. About five or six, I think, is a is a reasonable benchmark. So knowing that, um, it's really on them to underachieve. <laughs> if they if they get in that eight nine, that means that like Ethan Thompson had two triple doubles and is got, like first team all conference, and Lucas led was in threes and. Guys just go out of their mind, but yeah, I I don't see it. Tariq Silver hits a bunch of threes, and and those guys come in. It's Jared Lucas or bust is what we're saying, and he we're looking for, factor. and we're looking forward to the ride. Um, but this is the Peyton years. We'll probably, especially once the season gets going, we'll do it once a week. But we'll probably do a couple more check ins in between now and then to update you, give you the war. The only other thing I wanted to bring up was: uh, Does it mean anything to you that they they got rid of Greg Gottlieb? Oh, off staff. It means that the Beaver bias is coming back in full force because he was the only thing keeping our uh, publicity looking good. Yeah, he we had a little bit of an in, not not that Doug and, Gottlieb and that and I cool. and but hey, I love that your short joke. We had a little bit of an in. in. For those of you who don't know, the Gottlieb on our team was like five two. He's like Doug Gottlieb, but if you cut off his knees, yes, cut him off the knees. It was always so interesting to me that he was. On Oregon State, it's not interesting <laughs> to anybody else, I guess. But, no, it's a great thing. I will miss Doug Gottlieb. I almost put him on the the key losses. <laughs> I didn't want to make a fool of myself. Well, it, we'll see. It, I, although the fact that they had to get rid of someone on the staff and they chose him suggests maybe he was only there as a favor to yeah to Doug in the first place. Well, we'll see. We'll look forward to it. All right, uh, Peyton years signing.